Welcome, everyone, to the AI and Business Podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello, Senior Editor here at Emerge Technology Research. Today's guest on the program is Zohar Bronfman, CEO and co-founder of Pekin. Pekin is a predictive analytics software company that works with companies across retail, e-commerce, and manufacturing spaces. Zohar joins Emerge CEO and Head of Research Daniel Fagella in another installment of our series on winning executive buy-in to talk about the lessons he has learned from a vendor perspective. Later, he pulls apart the best strategies for addressing the technology hype cycle in the sales process and what executive AI fluency will come to mean as these technologies become more ubiquitous in everyday life. Without further ado, here's their conversation. Zohar. Thanks for being with us. Welcome to the program. My pleasure, Ben. Thanks for having me. We are diving in on a topic that you and I were just catching up on off microphone for a bit, one that is dear to our hearts here at Emerge, and I think something that all smart vendors who've raised as much as you guys have raised and work with as many companies as you've worked with have had to wrestle with. And this is, how do we win executive buy-in for AI projects? On the one extreme, we have promising the moon and not really telling them how complicated AI is, and then it's It's actually pretty hard to just turn this into a push-button value. On the other side, we have all the things we wish they knew, all the new kinds of capability and infrastructure improvements that they can make, but it's going to be very intimidating and they're not going to want to step forward. What's the best way to ethically convey the value and the challenges of AI to leadership? Yeah. This is uh, almost a philosophical question then. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a challenging one. And we've been thinking about it and trying different things for quite some time. And I do believe that, like probably in many other cases in life, the one thing that is completely out of the question is not being honest and not being very clear about what's at stake. The One of the things that have happened in the last, I would argue, probably even a decade now, is that people, many people, many executives out there lost their faith in AI. They become cynical, they become doubtful, they heard tens or hundreds of times promises about how AI can magically solve all of their business problems, which is not the case, was never the case, and probably it will take many, many decades until it will be the case. However, having said that, I think it's very important to start the journey for an executive buy-in by first and foremost, strive for fast value. This is crucial. You can, you can stretch AI in terms of a type of project. You can build a very logical, sensible project for five years. but I believe that the first couple of projects that you build in your organization should be the quickest to show measurable, quantifiable, tangible value. And there are two reasons for it. One and the most important thing is to build internal trust. Because of the skepticism, because of the cynicism, People have just deprioritized, in many cases, AI initiatives. 
And the moment people see that it can work, and it obviously can work if being done properly, then I believe it's far easier to open the aperture and increase the commitment for a various set of projects. The, the second reason, I think, for starting with a relatively simple use case is that AI, unlike IT, has a very unique property to it. AI projects can fall, unfortunately, to a situation where the, in Hebrew they say the medical operation went well and the patient died. And this means we've done everything by the book. The AI was implemented exactly as it should. However, the business outcome is either you know, status quo or even sometimes worse than sure. the existing outcome. In AI, very much like in startups, the concept of failing fast is absolutely a necessity to continue with a long-term success. So one, build trust around quick successes. Two, don't be afraid of failing fast. Build the project as if you know there's a chance, an inherent chance that it won't work. Well, all right. If we want to point on that, we can land on that one. I think a couple points, nutshelling. One, shooting for near-term value, incredibly important. I think if anything, most folks who are on the vendor side and many people even on the enterprise side probably are, are very aware of that. Although I think your emphasis on why it's important is really critical. The whole element of trust, they got all these terrible promises and things didn't work out well. Obviously, in order to roll the ball forward, many vendors have had different words. We had a leader from Dataiku who talked about lighthouse projects, you know, Fractal calls it something else. These idea of something tangible that's going to show, hey, unlocking data and doing these kinds of efforts can lead to these kind of results. Now can we actually build this into something substantial? Very critical, completely on point with you there. There's this inherent chance of AI not working out, even when everything goes perfectly. Again, it's we have a, a guest who's talked about AI as probabilistic, not deterministic. So even if everything's done well, it doesn't always work out. There is inherently, it's inherently more like R&D than it is like IT. And you either deal with that or you, you don't adopt AI well. And I think here's, here's where we've seen the tension is that vendors are all pretty good at promising near-term ROI. I'm not blaming them, by the way. I'm not like, I don't, I'm not anti-vendor, right? I, I love the vendors. We talk to vendors all day, but they know they need to, to talk about delivering near-term ROI. I guess it's harder to also mention, look, sometimes we're going to realize that without XYZ data features that we have not been tracking for the, la the last nine months or even ever at the company, this actually doesn't have any chance of, of winning and we're not going to be able to get to our result. And, and it just turned out that way. They're, I guess, less good at presenting that. How do we realistically convey two things? Number one, hey, this could definitely fail. And, and that, that's the nature of AI. But B, it's totally worth us doing this experimentation and, and iteration. What's the way to walk that line to bring up the realistic considerations, but bring up this fast fail approach is actually a good thing that they both will understand and still want to do? Well, in all honesty, I, I don't think there's a one universal truth. Uh, sure, sure. I agree but, with you. But, but <laughs> I will definitely say that from our perspective and from our experience as well, the long-term capability building strategic projects 
are not the right way for vendors to start an engagement mm. with a partner. Maybe it's not the case with extreme cases like, you know, governmental projects and like very kind of specific IT-oriented projects. But in the classic AI for business, from what we've seen, vendors are not positioned to support five or 10 years strategy in most cases, at least not at the first handshake and the beginning of the work. Yep. If you think about, you know, a real capability in your organization that will be like, you know, an infrastructural cornerstone of your strategic edge as a company, you need probably to build in-house that capability and take a far more board level risk than collaborating with the vendor. Maybe, maybe you work with a vendor on a couple of quote-unquote low-hanging fruits, so they say. You realize that there's very good synergy and collaboration, and then you embark on a more strategic journey. But because AI is probabilistic, because AI is so notoriously hard to leverage in the right way, I would not recommend relying on external vendors for these infrastructural capability building efforts. Yeah, this is, I mean, it, it's it's a really important take. It's a very related topic that I think our listeners need to hear. We've certainly heard answers all across the board for this kind of question from vendors. As you're well aware, no two people are going to have the same opinion, which is part of why we you know, interview many, many different people. I think there's a lot of credence to the perspective you're sharing here, and I happen to agree in many, many regards. I think at a certain level of really robust core engine of the business capability, Focusing on building that in-house feels quite critical. There are the vendors that I won't actually name names. I could, but I won't so hard. I'm nice to my guests. You know what I mean? I'm real nice. I'm I'm a super nice guy. There are vendors who advocate for, hey, you know, make sure you really swing for something big and meaningful, whatever off the bat. A lot of the time that services oriented organizations, right? A lot of the time that services companies, if you're going to build time and materials, shoot for the moon right away, totally makes sense, right? So I think incentives rule the world, honestly. I think it's basically like physics and then it's like incentives. It's like in that order. But I think oftentimes being able to land with a particular value you know you can deliver and expand modestly into the kind of capabilities you're capable of is, is kind of a, a right way to approach things. I guess bringing this back to where where we started with our question, this will be the last, I guess, little question I passed back to you, but I'd love your thoughts on this before we close on this episode is around even within that bounded reality. So you have a philosophy, and it's a a totally valid one, that vendors really need to pick a lane, they need to crush specific problems, and you've talked about the different forces that are in tension there. Clearly, even if you do pick your lane, upsell, cross-sell, whatever different kinds of things, you guys have certain focus areas. There is a failure percentage, but there is still a reason why you would want to move forward with an AI project. And like you said, it's a philosophical question, it's kind of challenging. How do you often present two things. Number one, this might fail. Number two, like this may require the building of new capabilities, new ways to store data or or new features we need to track and train, new ways that team members need to collaborate. You may need to change a little bit, maybe not a ton, but you, you still, you might need to change a bit. You need to present those things which are a little bit distasteful, especially to people that are not AI fluent. They don't understand this stuff. And hey, it could still really be worth working with us. 
where do you walk that line? How do you how do you honestly convey the challenges and the things that are different than IT, but still make that value clear? Yes, yes. Um, it's a very fun question, and I'll tell you why. Because you know, as we build the company, we many times internally face a dilemma of whether we should optimize growth and revenue at all costs or optimize good revenue for a lack of a better Yes, yes. I'm definitely part of the second camp in the sense that when I talk to an executive, I'm going to be painfully transparent with them. I'm going to tell them exactly what they should expect. And I'm highlighting the painful elements that are an inherent part of implementing AI. I'm talking about the statistics of failure, even if everything's done correctly. I'm talking about the realistic timelines for the entire, let's call it a, a setup of the whatever that might be, the use case, the platform, the training. I'm talking about the way we upskill analysts to become data scientists and what it takes. It doesn't happen overnight. And my point of departure is that if the truth doesn't resonate well with the executive, the engagement will end up being unsuccessful yeah. from the value perspective. And then it always follows to the commercial perspective. And that's why I believe it's fine sometimes to quote unquote lose deals. It's fine to have an executive saying, I don't care if I'm not seeing something within a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's fine. It's completely fine because those who understand how it really works, those that have calibrated expectations are the ones you want to work with. And the tough things are, you know this as well as I, in five years, many more executives are going to have an understanding, what we call an executive AI fluency, that is higher. And they will know they're really, it's not realistic to push button, increase revenue by 30% in two weeks, right? They will no longer believe those vendors that, that tell them those things. Right now, you're up against executives who may occasionally still believe those things. So your job, hopefully, will be a little bit easier because that truth will be more baseline understood five years from now, just like it's much better understood now than it was five years ago. But we've got a long way to go, brother, here in the United States, never mind in Europe. I hear you, but I will add that from my very narrow experience, executives appreciate and cherish credibility and trust more than anything else. Look, I, I wasn't. I wasn't even. Yeah, I wasn't arguing against you at all. I was saying your job will be easier five years from now, but I would still say it's the right way. In fact, I think actually, a few comments here. Number one, I appreciate that you're kind of laying out some of these inner dilemmas that founders face. This is stuff I often talk about off an interview, not in an interview. So you're being very frank about real dynamics in the world, and I appreciate that. The audience appreciates that. Secondly. Of course, realistically, we couldn't expect you to say in a recorded format anything other than, well, we say no to the bad revenue and yada, yada, yada. So like in a recorded format, of course, everybody's going to say that. But you're talking about a dynamic that's important. I think you guys have done that. And frankly, I think any company that really learns and grows in a way that's going to sustain it all has to come to the conclusion eventually that unless the details are on the table, 
something is going to rip apart during this project and it's going to hurt our reputation, our credibility. And you're really doubling down on that. And I think enforcing that for the audience, it feels to me, and let me know if this is an okay point to put in a nutshell, but maybe you could close out on this for vendors. The lesson's quite clear. You know, let's, let's be clear about our facts. Let's talk about our value, but let's talk about the real challenges and say, here's what we're working on together and make that, that Frank, it all, it also feels like internal AI champions. If I'm a internal head of, of data science or something, I probably should be thinking through this exact same lens. Would you agree with that? hundred percent. Yeah. I think there are many, many parallels to an internal AI leaders within the business that serve the business units. They need to get buy-in. They need to get collaboration. They need to get trust. They need to get uh, resources. And I, I, I frankly believe that it's very, very similar. Fantastic. I, I think the, the points are important to take home. It really, it, it seems to me like the, there's a checklist here around realistically, what are our concerns with this project and what's it going to take? And then realistically, what could we hope for an upside? Be as frank as you can about that stuff. And I think that's, again, the only thing that sustains. Zohar, I know that's all we had for time on this this episode, but I appreciate you being with us again. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Ben, thank you so much. Before wrapping up today's program, this was the last episode in our winning executive buy-in series. Don't forget to check out the other episodes. We've been running them on the final Wednesday of every month since about May. The first episode was with Amaresh Tripathi of Genpact, talking about balancing AI innovation with project urgency. In June, we featured Brett Greenstein of PricewaterhouseCooper talking about getting the C-suite from spreadsheets and gut feelings to data-driven insights. And last month, we featured Dorothy Lee, CTO of Convoy, talking about winning executive buy-in from a logistics perspective. Lots of great stuff there and great insights across many different industrial sectors. And I think you'll find those episodes as illuminating as today's On behalf of Daniel and the entire team here at Emerge, thanks so much for joining us today, and we'll catch you next time on the AI and Business Podcast.